Well, good morning, Warehouse Church. And good morning to those of you that are worshiping with us online. It's so good to be in God's house together. If you're a guest with us, again, let me just say welcome to Warehouse Church. We hope that uh, this is a place where you find hope and transformation. And uh, everybody enjoy your hour of sleep this morning, your extra hour. Yes, tomorrow you'll be regretting it because you'll wake up an hour before your alarm goes off. It'll be okay, though. And uh, so also, uh, I enjoyed mine. I enjoyed that extra hour of sleep. And, uh, and, uh, and hey, can we just give the, the worship team just a huge just offering of praise? Thanks for leading us. We are so blessed. And Maggie's first Sunday up here. And so so good to have Maggie up here singing, too. And, girl, you can sing. So that was good. And uh, so, um, so we're so blessed to have just an amazing worship team. And, uh, and so we've been, we've been having this conversation We've been talking about prayer and, uh, and this amazing series that we've been doing called Prayer More Than Words, and, uh, and we're growing, right? Uh, my prayer is that we're growing in our prayer lives, that you've been challenged in your prayer life, and that you're growing into who God uh, desires and wants for you to be. And, and remember this, I want you to remember this, that prayer is simply inviting the God of the universe into our lives and into our circumstances and into our situations, and that when we pray... Uh, the amazing thing about when we pray is that we see the heavens pulled back and we see God coming down and intervening uh, in our lives. And we see our lives being impacted and changed and we see the lives of the people around us being impacted and changed because here's what we know. We know that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things, but not only does prayer change things, prayer changes lives and it changes us. Like it molds us and it shapes us into the image of God. And that's God's desire for us. And so over the past five weeks, we've talked about, uh, we talked about prayer. First week, we talked about the purpose of prayer, right? And we said that the purpose of prayer is to connect with God. Like that's the purpose. That's why God, that's why Jesus taught us to pray because he knew that that was our connection to God the Father. And so it's our, the purpose of prayer is to connect with God. It's not about religion, right? It's never about religion. It's always about relationship. And it's about a relationship with God through Jesus. And so we talked about the, the purpose of prayer. We also talked about the passion of prayer. And, and many of us grew up praying those memorized or ritual prayers, like now I lay me down to sleep or, or uh, good food, good meat, good God bless this meal, you know, whatever you, whatever you prayed. And, 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 and we, we prayed these ritual prayers because, well, they created a good foundation for us. They taught us. Uh, how to pray, but, but then we began to connect with God, and we began to mature uh, in our prayer life, and we began to get real with God, and so there's this, there's this passion that comes with prayer, and in the third week, we talked about the pattern of prayer, and, and, and this is so important. We said that we always begin prayer with who? With God. We always begin with God first, and so often, though, when we pray, if we're really honest and with ourselves, we often start with us first, and we often enter into our prayer with God, help me, help me, help me, save me, save me, save me, rescue, rescue, rescue me, and, and that's how we begin our prayers, but Jesus taught us, no, there's this pattern to prayer. Instead of starting with God, help me, we should begin with God and, and when, when Jesus taught us to pray, uh, he, he said, start with God. And, he ta and we talked about this pattern of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and then supplication. And then we talked about the practice of prayer. And we said that prayer isn't just something that we talk about, but it's something that we actually do, right? That it's something that we practice in our everyday lives and we put it into practice. And we said that 
prayer is essential for spiritual growth. Like if you're feeling like, man, I'm not growing in my walk with Jesus, if I'm not, I'm kind of stagnant, then I would ask you, how's your prayer life? Like how are you spending time practicing prayer? And then today we're going we're gonna to see, or, or last week we talked about the power of prayer. And this one is huge because where there's prayer, there's hope, right? Like every time we pray that there is hope. And, and so whatever you walked in with today, whatever you came through those doors with, I want you to know that when there is prayer, when prayer is present, there is hope. There's always hope. And, and God is here and, and he's with us. And prayer has the power to change our lives and our circumstances. And today we're gonna see the potential of prayer. As we wrap up this series, we're gonna talk about the potential of prayer. And prayer, I love this, prayer is like spiritual dynamite. Like I didn't come up with that, I read that somewhere, but prayer is like spiritual dynamite. It's the gift that God gives us to see lives, that God gives us to see lives transformed for his glory. And, and so let's look back one more time at our scripture that we've been kind of hanging out in, Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 4. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's uh, uh, when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. And, and let's just read it together. And here's what he says, starting in verse 1 of Luke chapter 11. He says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Everybody say, Father. Father. Man, it's so good that we get to come before the creator of the universe and we get to call him Father. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And so Jesus is praying as he often did in this certain place. And as he's praying, he's modeling for you and he's modeling for me what prayer looks like. And I think we can take a lot of things away and we have from this passage. And and number one is that Jesus made prayer a priority, right? Like he made it a priority. He made it a part of his daily life. He was praying also in a certain place. And that was his place. That was his place where he came to meet with God the Father. And when, when, when he finished praying, one of his disciples, eavesdropping, listening in on Jesus' prayer life, he said, Lord, teach us to pray like that. God, we want, Jesus, we want to learn to pray like you pray. Like we pray, we've prayed in the temple. We pray three times a day. We follow uh, our traditions and our Jewish traditions and we've been praying, but there's just something different about the way you're praying. Like, it's personal, it's intimate, it's powerful, it's passionate. Like, you're praying in a different way. And he's, they're like, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And I think this is such a big deal for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. Lord, teach me to pray. Like, what would it be like for you and for me to walk, to get into the presence of the Lord and say, God, teach me to pray. Grow my prayer life. Like, take my prayer life to the next level. God, help me to mature in my walk with you. And and that's what the disciples were doing. They're like, I want that. They're like, did you see how Jesus was praying? Did you you hear the words that he was praying? Like, those aren't the words that we we learned as growing up in in, in Jewish synagogue and temple. And it's something different. They're like, we want that. 
And they're like, Jesus, we've seen you do miracles. We've seen you heal people. We've seen you make the lame walk again. We've seen the blind see. Uh, we've seen you take care of the hungry. And, and, and we've seen all these things happen. And we know that there's a connection between what you do and your prayer life. And they're like, we want to know more about prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And he said to them, hey, he said, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, because everyone's going to pray. Everyone at some point in their life is going to face a situation where they're going to call out, whether they believe in God or not, they're going to call out and say, help me. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. Again, such an incredible privilege that we get to call God of the universe, Father, Daddy, Abba. And this is what separates, I truly believe, this is what separates Christianity from every other world religion is that God is, is, is personal, like intimate, like we know his name. And not only do we know his name, but we get to call him Father. And Jesus says, it's okay. Like, as a matter of fact, I want to model this for you. When you pray, say, Dad, say, Father. And he teaches them, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Not just me and my bread, right? Like we talked about this last week. Not just me and my bread, but the needs of those all around me. Give us our daily bread and forgive, not just forgive my sins, but forgive the sins of those around me. And don't just lead me from temptation, but lead all of us from temptation. So this morning, I just want us one more time. Uh, we started out this series praying the Lord's Prayer, and I want to invite us right now to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And it's going to be on the screens, uh, and, and I just want to invite you to just enter into this time, uh, this prayerful moment, and I just want you to pray out loud with me the Lord's Prayer. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Such an amazing prayer, such an amazing model for us to learn how to pray. Jesus was pouring into his disciples and he was teaching them to pray because, because why? Because he knew that prayer was the spiritual key that would unlock heaven and would bring God's word from up there to down here. He knew, Jesus knew that he would soon die on the cross for their sins and for ours. He knew that, they, that he would be risen from the dead and he would ascend into heaven. He knew that the Holy Spirit would come and a revolution would begin because of prayer. And he wanted his disciples to get this. And he wants you and he wants me to understand that prayer, this is our spiritual life. This is our lifeline to God and it comes down to prayer. And now we've walked through the Lord's Prayer line by line. We've talked about every part of it, but I want you to notice that as we prayed the Lord's Prayer this morning, we got to the end and it said these words. It said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And if you look at Luke's account of the story, and it ends with, and lead us not into temptation, 
And you're like, well, wait a minute, where's the rest of it, right? You're like, what happened to the for thine is the glory and the power and all that stuff. And then if you read Matthew's version, it ends with, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And again, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like in church, there was more. Like it didn't end there. And so you might be wondering, where is that at? And well, let me just say, if you have a King James version, uh, it's going to show up in your King James version. And it's called the doxology. And it's not in every translation, uh, uh, it's not included in every translation, but it is a part of the Lord's Prayer. And in, in some early manuscripts, you find the doxology, and so that's why you see it often in the King James Version. It's also, it's a part of church tradition. It's been a part of church tradition for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And so I thought, you know, let's not leave that out. Like, let's look at the doxology. Let's look at what that means. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I think as we dive into this doxology, we find that the potential of prayer is there. And so let's look at it. For thine is the kingdom. You know, earlier Jesus teaches us to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, right? As it is in heaven. And and I I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but maybe you have, I have. Maybe you've ever thought like, God, why don't you just come and why don't you just take me home? Like, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but like, God, why, why, why do you just leave? Why are we here? Like, I said yes. Why don't you just come? The moment I say yes, you just like take me away. I get to be with you. We get to be in heaven. Everything's good. Like, I don't have to worry about circumstances. I don't have to worry about situations. I don't have to worry about all that stuff. I can just be with you. And, and why, don't, why don't you just come and take me home? And I've thought about that from time to time, especially on days where I'm like, man, I wish I could just leave, right? And, uh, and we've all thought about that. We've had those moments. And, and you know why, though? Why hasn't God come and taken us home? I think it's because God is conforming us to the image of his son, and God's at work in our lives, and he's molding us and shaping us, and he's saying, listen, he's saying, I want you, and he's talking to you, and he's talking to me, saying, I want you to be my kingdom bearers. I want you to be my image bearers. I want you to be my salt. I want you to be my light. I want you to represent me, to be my ambassadors here in this world. Like, your kingdom come here on earth. Like, every time we love someone, every time we're kind to someone, every time we put someone else's needs before ours, every time that we love someone who's hard to love, every time we forgive someone, that is inviting the kingdom of God here on earth. We are being his image bearers here on earth. We are conforming to the image of God. And so, if you took all the Christians out of the world, it would be chaos, right? Like, it would just be chaos. There would be kind people. There would be kind people because there are kind people that aren't followers of Jesus, but there would not be any Jesus followers here on earth. And thus, God's kingdom would not be here on earth. And so we're here to represent the kingdom. So we pray, thine is the kingdom. Yours, God, your goodness, your grace is the kingdom. Not just up there, but also down here. So thine is the kingdom, and then he says, and thine is the power, and it's God who holds everything together, right? Like God is the power source. He's the one that holds everything together, and when we begin to realize the power of God, when you begin to understand fully the power of God, it'll change you. It'll wreck you. It'll make a mess of you. You're like, whole. like, I don't think we get the fullness of the power of God, But when we begin to explore and understand the power of God, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is also in you. When you fully understand that, 
it will wreck your world. It'll change you. It'll flip you. And so God holds everything together. When we realize the power of God, it changes us. And we live our lives, we, we live our lives like we got control of everything, like we got everything under control. We live our lives like, like we control everything, and yet we don't control anything at all. We don't control our health. We don't control other people around us as much as we'd like to. We don't control the people around us. We don't control everything going on around us in the world, but God does. And the power of God comes. Thine is the kingdom and thine is the power. And then he says, and thine is the glory. Prayer is transferring the credit to the one who deserves it. That's what it is. It's, that's what prayer is. It's whenever we get a big promotion, right? Or whenever something great happens in our family, we often take credit for it. We often are like, hey, look at what I did. Like, see that raise? I did that. Or see that job I got? I did that. Or see that, 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 that baby I created? I, I did that. And we take credit. We take credit when we should stop and pray and say, God, I give you the glory, Right? Like, I didn't do this, you did this. God, thank you. Thank you, because that's what we do in prayer is we transfer the glory to who is rightfully is, and we give God the glory. I love the story of uh, Ray Lewis, Hall of Famer Ray Lewis, and he tells, uh, I think it was in his speech, his Hall of Fame speech, he tells about how his mom taught him the Lord's Prayer. And as he's talking about that, he says, my mom taught me the Lord's Prayer at a young age. And he says that he held on to that prayer for a long time. And he talks about how his life wasn't easy. And, 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 and especially when he got to the University of Miami, things kind of got sideways. And he goes on, he says, I did some bad things. He said, I did some bad things and it was wrong. But it was prayer, what my mom taught me at a young age about prayer that changed me. You see, church, there's power in prayer, and there's power in investing and teaching our children about prayer. When you think they're not getting it, when you think they don't understand, guess what? Years later, they're going to go back and say, but it was that prayer that my mom taught me that changed me today. 20 years later, prayer is changing my life because of what my parents taught me when I was just a little kid. Now I lay me down to sleep, or when they taught me the Lord's Prayer Our Father who art in heaven, when they taught me to pray, it changed me. He goes on, he says, when I came through these tough times, when I came through those tough times, I knew, check this out, I knew that it was God that brought me through. And I said for the rest of my career that I want to transfer my glory to him because he is the one that is responsible for my life. And that's why every time, he says, that's why every time I run out of the tunnel, I would step to the right for God the Father, and I would step to the left for God the Son, and I would say, all glory to you, God. And he said, and people thought it was a dance, right? They thought it was a dance and stuff. He goes, but I just wanted all the glory to go to God. Like, I just wanted my life to be about God. I realized that it's got to be about him. And I wonder, how about you? Like, how about you? Do you transfer the glory in your life? Do you give God credit where credit is, deserves? Do you give it to God? Do you give him the glory? Or is it all about you? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And then it's these two words, forever and ever. Forever. You know, what's forever? It's, it's forever, right? Like, forever is forever. It's eternal. It's never ending. And God is and will always be. 
And yet we, we invest so much of our time in things that won't last. We spend so much of our time investing in these things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And we pray for a kingdom that will last forever and ever. We pray that we will invest in the things that will matter and that will make a difference in this world forever. And then it wraps up the doxology with the word amen. Everybody say amen. And you know what amen means? It means I agree, right? That when we say amen at the end of a prayer, we're saying, I agree. I agree with that prayer. God, your kingdom come. Uh, Your will be done here on earth. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I agree. And what we see in the doxology is the potential of prayer. There is so much potential packed into prayer. And when we pray, guess what happens when we pray? Revival happens when we pray. When we pray, lives are changed. When we pray, God enters into our circumstances and into our situations and gives us hope when we pray. You see, when God's people pray, there is power and potential to change the world. Prayer is dynamite. It's spiritual dynamite. It has the power to impact the world. In 2 Chronicles, back in the Old Testament, uh, in chapter 7, God is having a conversation with Solomon and, 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 as, and, and, um, and listen to what he says in verse 14 of chapter 7. He says, if my people, if, now everybody say if. All right, so that's the important part. If my people who are called by my name, if you will humble yourself, And pray and seek God's face and turn from your wicked ways. What does God say? Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive your sin and I will heal your land. That's the potential of prayer. Like the potential to change us, not just to change us, but to change our family and to change our community and change our country and to change our world, to heal our land. There is the potential of prayer is to change generations. That's what prayer did for Ray Lewis. It was because his mom was thinking legacy, right? I'm going to teach my kid to pray. Whether he wants to learn or not, I'm teaching him to pray. Like, I'm sorry, he can be a sensitive, delicate flower, but he's going to learn to pray, right? Like some of us, we need to get over it. We need to stop being so delicate and sensitive and say, son, you're going to learn how to pray. Or daughter, you're going to learn how to pray. And that's what Ray Lewis's mom did. And then 20 years later, things get sideways. Life gets crazy. What does he do? I remember that prayer, that prayer that my mom taught me. And that because of that, it changed his life. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. And you read that and you're like, "But, but Pastor Rick, I'm not righteous. Like I would say to you, you're right. None of us are righteous. We've all sinned, by the, but by the grace of God, all of us are messed up. All of us are sinners, but by the grace of God, when Jesus comes into our life, God looks at you, and he no longer sees all your mistakes. He doesn't see your failures. He sees you as righteous, and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayers Your prayers, if you are here today and you have given your life to the Lord, your prayers are powerful and effective. 
Don't let anyone else tell you any differently. Don't let the evil one whisper in your ears, God doesn't really care about what you have to say. He's not listening. He, he, he doesn't care about you. Don't ever. Your prayers are powerful and effective. And James goes on in verse 17 and says, uh, Elijah, Elijah was a human being, and even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, Elijah prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And so Elijah, James tells us, Elijah was just an ordinary dude like you and me. He's just an ordinary guy, and God heard his prayer. God heard his prayer, and God hears your prayers too. However, the evil one loves to whisper in our ears. The evil one loves, Satan loves to say, listen, you're too busy to pray, right? Like your job's way too important. You gotta get up early. You gotta be on, you gotta be on time. You gotta, you gotta, your life is way too busy to pray. Or maybe the evil one whispers in your ear and says, you're nobody special, right? Like who cares? God, God, God doesn't care about you. You don't have time for you. Like look at your life. It's a mess. He doesn't care about what you have to say. He loves to whisper in our ear, listen, God's not gonna listen to you. But we need to realize that prayer is powerful and it's also our foundation for our spiritual life. Like I said, it's the lifeline between us and God the Father. It's how we grow. Prayer is how we grow. It's how we mature. And let me just tell you, if you wanna see your spiritual life take off, invest in your prayer life. Like, don't just say, oh, I'm gonna pray and get up and maybe pray and maybe not. But invest, like invest intentionally in your prayer life and see if your prayer life doesn't, your spiritual life doesn't grow because there's so much potential in prayer. But also, uh, just like a prayer, there's so much potential in prayer, there are some things that break down the potential in our prayer lives. There's some things that keep the potential from happening. And I wanna share with you this morning as we wrap up five of those things uh, that might be pitfalls Uh, maybe for your prayer life, things that will blow up your prayer life. And the first one is this, number one, uh, the first thing that ruins our potential for prayer is discounting prayer. Discounting prayer, it limits our prayer life. We try and fix our own problems, right? Like we talked about this last week, we're fixers, we like to fix things, and we try and fix things on our own, and then when it doesn't work out, then we pray. It's like when things are, when we've tried everything else, it's like prayer is like plan Z. It's like we've tried A through uh, Y, but now we're on plan Z and we're like, well, nothing else works, so I might as well pray. And we discount prayer. And, and so once, we, once we've gotten to plan Z, we're like, okay, God, I've tried everything else, now you help me. But what if we flip that around? Like what if we flip that around and, and we prayed first, like before going to plan B, C, three, all the way through Z, what if we prayed first? I said, God, here's my situation. Here's my circumstance. I need you to direct me. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me through this. It would change things. And so sometimes we discount prayer and we put it on the back burner and saying, well, it's kind of like my last resort when it should always be the first thing that we do when things get sideways. The second thing that we do that limits our prayer life is that, um, is that we have discord with others that there's discord with others. Jesus said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, the same message that he gave when he taught the, the crowds about prayer, he says, listen, he says, if you're at worship, if you come to worship, and, and back then you would bring your offerings to the altar, he says, if you bring a gift to the altar and on your way up, you realize that there is someone that has something against you, Jesus says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave it. Leave it in the altar, and I want you to go and reconcile with those people first that you are in discord with, that you are not getting along with. If there's someone that you are holding uh, unforgiveness against, I want you to go back to them first, offer forgiveness, and then come back and offer your offering. 
And so if there's discord, if there's hardship in a relationship, listen, it's gonna impact your prayer life. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, Pastor Rick, I've been praying, but maybe, maybe you're like, my prayer life's just not working. I would ask, is there discord? Is there someone that you are harboring ill feelings toward? Is there someone that you have wronged? Is there someone that you are not willing to forgive in your life? Because that will be a thing that will trip up your prayer life. Because Jesus tells us, listen, go make amends first and then come back and pray. So discord is another thing. The third thing, number three, is disobedience. Disobedience with God, and this limits our prayers. Like, you, you know this. This is, not like, this is not a surprise to anyone in the room. Like, you know that when you're being disobedient with God, it limits our prayers. It does it one in two ways. Number one, we recognize that we need to spend time with God in prayer, but we listen to the evil one whisper in our ears, you're too busy, uh, you're not special, God doesn't care. And, and when that happens... We, instead of listening to the evil one and saying, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, I'm not anyone special. God doesn't have time to listen to me. We need to tell Satan to get lost. We say, no, I'm redeemed. Like, I am redeemed by Jesus, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to spend time in prayer because God cares about me. And, then, and sometimes we're just plain living in disobedience, right? Like, like we're just being disobedient children, uh, we're God's kids, but we're being disobedient, and, and there are things going on in our lives, and we know that God has spoken to us about them, and we totally ignore them. We're like, yeah, I hear you, God, but I'm not going to do anything about it, and maybe he's spoken to you. Maybe he's spoken to you like about being baptized or taking uh, an ex your next step in faith. Maybe he's been talking to you about prayer, right? Like maybe he's been speaking to you about, hey, I want you to get up early, and I want you to spend time in prayer in that certain place, and you've been ignoring it. You've been disobedient. And every time you pray, God brings it up, and we just ignore it. God's like, listen, I really need you to up your, your prayer life. I really need you to take it to the next level. And you're like, I hear you, God, but I'm too busy, maybe later. And we ignore it. And so we're being disobedient, or maybe it's just plain sin, right? Like maybe it's an affair. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's an addiction. Uh, maybe uh, it's one of those things, and you start to pray, and God's convicting you of it. And God's like, you know, I really wish that you would lay down the gossip. I'd really wish that you would lay down the addiction. I really wish that you would put that affair uh, to, to, to rest. I really wish you would do that. And he's convicting you of it, and you ignore it time and time and time again, and you're being disobedient. And so disobedience limits our prayer life. But not only does disobedience do it, also distractions. Distractions around us limit our prayer lives. When we say things like, I'm too busy to pray, I'm too busy, I don't have time to pray, we really should be saying, I'm too busy not to pray, right? Like, that should be our attitude. Like, I got, I'm juggling all kinds of, of balls, I'm spinning all kinds of plates, and, and we should be praying because we got so much stuff going on. But we're busy. But if we're not taking time to grow in the Lord through prayer, it will impact every relationship around you and the balls are gonna drop and the plates are gonna stop spinning and they're gonna break because you're not spending the time investing in your relationship with God. So we're too busy. And then number five, you're disregarding your potential. That this is a huge blow up for prayer when you disregard your own potential. And sometimes here's what happens. We're praying and we're too scared to pray bold prayers. Like we're, we're, oh, I can't pray that. Like that's just too much. That's too big. And we're afraid, right? Like we're afraid to pray for the big things because we're afraid that it won't happen. And where's faith in that? Like where's trusting in God when we believe that, when we pray and we're like, well, God, this probably won't happen, but I'll pray it anyway. Like God loves to hear that, I'm sure. 
And like, God's like, oh yeah, you said it again. Good job, right? Like, where's faith? Where's your trust? Like, pray big, bold, audacious prayers. Don't disregard your potential because God wants you to pray bold prayers. And we have so much potential to grow in this area of our lives that we pray like wimpy prayers so often, like, oh, God, help my aunt. But we're not praying the big prayers. Like, don't just say, God, help my aunt. Say, God, cure her. Like, cure my aunt of cancer. Like, pray big, bold, audacious prayers and trust that God will answer it and that his will will be done. Have you ever noticed, uh, when thinking about prayer, have you ever noticed that your spiritual life began with prayer? It did, that when you recognize, when you realize that your need for God, and when you called out on Jesus to come to you, there came a point where you prayed. Like at the end of most every service we do here, we invite those of you that have not uh, given your life to the Lord, we give you an opportunity to pray. And I say, just ask the Lord, just invite the Lord in prayer into your life. And, and that's where your, your relationship with Jesus began. It began with a prayer. Maybe you said something like, God save me. Or maybe you said, God, I give my life to you. Whatever it is, prayer began your spiritual life, but it doesn't end there. Like prayer continues to be a part of your life for the rest of your life forever and ever, right? It's a part of your life. It's a part of your entire relationship with the Lord, even until your last breath. And I would say even beyond that. And listen, when we pray, when you and I pray, it changes everything. And our hope here at Warehouse Church is that you would become a person of prayer. Like that's our hope. Our hope here at Warehouse Church is not only that you would become people of prayer, but that we as a church would become a church of prayer. And so let me just ask you again, I've asked you this almost every week, what's your prayer life like? Like, what is your prayer life like? What are you praying for? Are you just praying general, uh, just kind of, I, I, I don't know, soft prayers? Or are you praying big, bad, audacious prayers? What are you praying for in your family? What are you praying for in your career? What are you praying for? In your life, what are, you, what are you praying for for your community? What are you praying for for the world? There is so much potential in prayer because it has the potential to change the world. That's what scripture says. That's what James said. It has the potential to change the world, but it starts with you and with me investing in our prayer life. Lord, would you teach us to pray? God, would you use prayer to transform our lives? Would you use prayer to transform the lives of the people sitting around me? God, would you use prayer to transform our broken community? Would you use prayer to transform our nation? God, would you use prayer God, would you start with us? Lord, would you teach me to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom, Lord, your kingdom come here on earth, right here in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, just as it is. 
God, don't just give me my daily bread, but Father, would you give all of us our daily bread? Would you lead us far from temptation? Help us to forgive one another.